type of deal. Is it recording? Like, yeah. <laughs> I did like a live type of I did like a live type of deal. <laughs> and uh I um I just used what well, George's just gave me like a Sennheiser like six hundred mm-hmm. something, I think. Shotgun mic and I used two of those and just like did the drummer and the guitarist or something and I just directed them at their amps. Yeah. And then I did like a room mic and got like a decent live. It was not what I wanted it to sound like, but Yeah, certain shotguns are pretty amazing. Like you're like if you're actually listening to what you're pointing it at, you like move it towards a bird and then all of a sudden the bird like it sounds like it's right in front but of you. But it was like a laser away. point. That's what I mean. It's like super good. Yeah, it was weird because I felt like I just have to kept like monitoring the audio the whole time. It's almost too fucking precise. Mm-hmm. But all right, man, what do you want to talk about? All right, this is Mike fucking Kurchetsky <laughs> in this bitch today. Oh, what's going down, Mike? All right, um, so Mike, we'll just start, I guess. Um, all right, so Mike owns a production company. It's called K Sound LLC. Um, it's out of Marlboro, New Jersey. He does uh, staging, audio, lighting, trying video. to get into some video sometimes. Um, and just everything related to like a concert venue, if you don't know production. Um, <clears throat> but me and Mike actually met through skating. So I'll just, whatever, give the fun caveat. Because always oh, Mike talks shit about himself, but he's actually a fucking badass motherfucker. So I wanted to talk to him today. And uh, so I met Mike skating probably like three or four years ago, maybe during COVID or before COVID or whenever the ramp was built. When was the ramp built? During COVID. During COVID. Because uh, I don't think you were there when it was skinny, right? No. Ramp got an I extension. Right, right after, and I didn't know that it was ever skinny, but apparently I was there right after. Yeah, the ramp was built and it was kind of small. <coughs> we, had, we had it widened right when the pandemic kind of started, and that was when more people started showing up. So you came out around there. That was uh, definitely like May, May or June of 2020. All right. So I've known Mike for three years. Yeah. And uh, so Mike owns a vert ramp out in the woods, undisclosed location. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> if you know, you know, I guess. You know. But um, so I am uh, love skating, whatever, been skating for a long time. So funny enough, I... Whatever had a couple skate. I just got surgery on my shoulder, but it's the first day without my sling. There you go, little holes. And the one of the reasons, not one of the reasons, but I got the surgery after I fucking blew my shoulder out of <laughs> Mike's ramp one time. So Mike is I don't know, I just always never knew like what to think about Mike because I didn't know him and he just built this vert ramp and most of the people that I knew and like within the skating world were just so yeah, fucking core and just like brutal and Mike was just this like cool nice dude. There's Steve. That's Steve's voice talking on the phone. We're at Mike's warehouse right now. And uh Mike's business is running as we are doing this podcast because another reason why Mike's a fucking savage. Um but so, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about you? And, uh, no, I kind of want Steve to get out of here. Oh, Steve's. <laughs> Steve! Yeah? You're fucking this up, man. <laughs> We're in here recording. Recording what? Some audio. Oh, good. You're good. We're going to have to edit you out, man. What are you recording? It's fine. The podcast. I don't know. Mason yeah, is, the interview. Mason's doing an interview. Oh, sorry. I got to find these paddles. And until I do, your life is going to be hell. It's fine. I'll just wait. <laughs> it is what it is. Were they not in the truck? Are you guys seeing this cable is in this pelican right here that's been sitting here for months? Were they not? Were they They're not in the, the truck? truck? No. They, did he say they were at the job or no? What's that? They, were they at the job or no? It doesn't look like it, no. Good luck. They're out there somewhere. Damn. Speaking of the company, right? <laughs> sometimes if you want something done right, 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 you gotta do it yourself. Steve's been looking for these things all day, but somehow I know that if I go out there, it's going to take me like five minutes and I'm just going to spot them. I don't know. <laughs> I almost wanted to test it. This test is why theory. I feel like Mike's the shit like in owning a business because not a lot of people are willing to let people just fuck it up. Mike's kind of willing to just let people try and fail like within his space, which is why he's just a savage. Yeah, because that's the only way to learn, man. Like I definitely am all for pushing the bird out of the nest. Uh, and that's cause that's how I learned. Like I just started buying this, buying this stuff, right? 
re I read the manual. No one taught me nothing. And every job wasn't perfect. There was something wrong. And it was like, how, why do I, why does it sound like this? How do I fix this? How do I make it sound better? You start meeting people much better at it than you and you pick their brain and you start trying it. And it's like the experience is much different than someone just saying, do this and not ever fucking it up. Like you got to fuck up and then, you know, like, don't do that. You know what I mean? So is this kind of stuff you're hoping to get? Yeah. All right, good. That's the fucking clip. That's it right there. That's perfect. A hundred percent. Yeah. So. Because that, no, no, seriously. And like when I wanted to get like trying shit, like I already do video, but you're like, what else do you want to do? And like mm -hmm. immediately you fucking, I can turn the camera and there, there's two speakers set up right there for Mike set up an audio board for me to go learn audio on for a couple of days. And just said, oh, a couple of speakers like right there, like just go try and learn audio. And how much is that fucking M32 audio board? How much money is that? The one that I had you on that yeah, day? Yeah, that yeah. thing's like a 1700-ish? Yeah, $1,700, kind of whatever, to like, you know, a couple thousand dollar piece of equipment yeah. that I can just dick around on. Plus the speakers, you know, you're up to like 2500 bucks for everything I need to fucking use. Yeah. To that's a learn and whatever. Just set it up and let people fucking learn. And that's a big thing, too, I've, because like when I first got into it, like I said, I like I had to buy some shit and just figure it out. And it was like that was the only way I would get access to it. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, you could go to Guitar Center and sit there and mess around a board. You're not going to learn there. You know what I mean? No, because they were not. You're not going to spend enough time. Yeah. You can't like, be a freak in a Guitar Center. So they're going to kick out. I just, I mean, I played in the band. So luckily I had my band as the guinea pig, yeah. you know. But I bought the stuff, started putting microphones on stuff. We played our, we played our own shows and I brought the PA to save money. And, uh you know, like clearly the only way to learn is to get your hands on it. And like I said, to mess up. So same thing, everybody that works for me, I let them have access to any of the stuff here. Cause like I'm, I want them to come in and play with it. Like same thing, like how, you know, some people have more initiative than others. Like some people will come here and like, you know, you, you put them in front of it and they're a little bit like the deer in headlights, but I kind of try to find the people that like they want to do it. Like, all right, like I want to figure out how to make this thing sound good. And I'll, I'll have tracks from, like, recorded shows, like, you know, not bootlegs, but, like, you know, we'll record some of the bands and I get to keep the tracks and I'll be able to throw uh, some pretty good artists on, yeah. you know. I don't know if I should even drop the names. But no, like, no, drop, drop, because, honestly, it, it helps because what you're talking about, like, most people don't think that they can get, like, this type of shit from working for a motherfucker like you. So the random thing, random thing is, like, uh, like we did Bette Midler, right? Who yeah, Bette Midler. It's, like... You would never think to yourself, I want to mix Bette Midler. But you would also probably never, ever get yourself in the, the situation where you get to mix Bette Midler and her band. Yeah. Which, her backing band, I think, for this one particular show was Bruno Mars. It's going to be some of the best in the world. And we already yeah. talked about Bruno Mars' band and how fucking... Yeah, how good you... talked about that. How good you got to be to be on tour with Bruno Mars? You're like <laughs> one of the best players in the world if you're on yeah. something like that. And then for like me and my guys and the people that work for me, what it takes to get to that gig... I can fast track that a little bit for you because I got the tracks and you can, you can, uh, you can like cut your teeth on like mixing Bette Midler with Bruno Mars's band, something that's a situation that's like really not possible to get into. Yeah. I mean, granted, you're only going to be doing it here at the shop or you can even take the tracks home and mess with it at home, but it doesn't matter because the same things like, here's what it sounds like before I mess with it. It sounds terrible. I need to fix this, fix that, make the high better, make the low, make the low. Yeah. And and then you take you're gonna take all that stuff into the field if I send somebody out to go mix a band at a, a park or something, mm. you know. Maybe you're only doing uh maybe you're only doing like um why can't I think of something like uh, a cover band that's like the Eagles or something, right? Yeah. An Eagles cover band, but it doesn't matter, the same type of stuff you were doing mixing the tracks here, yeah, is what you're gonna now be trying to do at a live thing mm. you're going to learn other things like how come when i was at in in the in the office trying to mix this it was so easy to do this but out here it's not well because now you're learning about the acoustics like on a pa and how it's totally different than being in a little room with tiny little speakers mm -hmm. you just learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and getting better getting better getting better i don't think that's the kind of stuff that you can get taught like you you just have to dive into it i literally d yeah it's crazy like you can't get taught it because i don't think even from like what I'm doing, videography, photography standpoint, like at your gigs mostly, mm -hmm. I been dude just from being put. So it's funny because we'll talk about Bette Midler, but just for namesake, like who are some of the most like you've mixed Post Malone, you've mixed who else? 
Yeah, like, so let's I'm, drop some names real quick of who K Sound has mixed. The bands that I, I've I've who are some of your favorites? All right, so there's there's a big difference between who I've mixed and and who you've set stages provided for. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, meaning yeah. I brought the PA, I yeah, brought yes, the desks, yes, yes. and I've assisted things that I've personally got to mix that I can think that matter. I've got to mix Max Weinberg's band with Little Steven. Uh, I got to mix this band Little Feet once. I've mixed Taking Back Sunday. I mean bands that like were like two thousands ish emo uh-huh. and punk bands. I got to mix a lot of that. Did you like Carrie do Post Malone? I like Carrie mix monitors for DMX. <laughs> oh man, I can't think of some of these bands that we've mixed for, but there's a, there really are a lot. There's so many. Um, Come on, dude. <clears throat> Drawing a blank, dude. Idina Menzel. I Whatever. Got to, I got the mix for Idina Menzel right before Frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With like an orchestra, and it's like just, really. Yeah, that's a random one. That's funny. You right know, before Frozen, that's and some random. of the bigger names that I've got to do. We got to mix Bon Jovi at a a private. Event in the Hamptons, random, yeah. you know. So yeah, so, uh, so it's like just experience-based work. You're getting to mix some of the top people in the world just by working for a person like Mike and. Got the mixed vanilla ice. Oh <laughs> shit! I remember you telling. Me. I don't know. Dude, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's just like I'm saying. Like I've pro- if I start spouting off names where we've provided all the gear because mostly <clears throat> the artists have their own. Yeah. They have their own guy who yeah, yeah, yeah. is familiar with the song and knows on this song I got to turn the snare up and this down and. He's going to do this and that part. So they always have their own guy, yeah. but not always. Uh, you know, right now I'm bidding on a thing for Ice Cube, which I would love to mix because I love Ice Cube. Yeah, you're saying that. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if I'm getting that. But if I did, it says that we're mixing. And I was like, dude, that's going to be me. Ice Cube, that would be Yeah, so I'm going to make better. sure I'm on that one because I would like to do that. That would be sick. Um, yeah, but even still, like, I mean, if you've mixed a band in a park, and this is the thing, like, if you've mixed a band in a park and it's a no-name band, it's your friend's band, anything... It's going to be the same thing when you work with a better artist. Uh, and the reason the artists want somebody that's good, like you just have to be half decent at this. But then they want a guy that is going to know the songs, yeah. know what they want, that they're comfortable with. Yeah. And then if you could, if you could do a, a band in the middle of nowhere, you could do some big band. That's the thing, man. There's no, there's, there's no big secret to it. There's no mystery. If you go to a concert... And you're in a stadium and you see front of house and that little microcosm of an area where you know it's happening. Yeah. You know that the whole show's happening right there. I know. Those guys aren't doing anything that I or half the guys that work for me couldn't do. He just somehow wiggled his way into that position and got that gig and he's mixing, uh, you know, Metallica or whoever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I know. Even I went to, I was saying I went to Coverman the other night. Cobra man, great show. Yeah. Um, fucking in Philly, and uh, I was, you know, every time in and out of the venue, you're like, does it ruin it for you? I'm like, no, it almost makes it better because yeah. I'm wor- I'm looking behind the desk. Like one, I almost recognize the desk. Two, I kind of recognize some gear now. Yeah. And I'm like three. I'm like, I wonder if it's their guy or the whatever. But I noticed that during the opening shows, it was just like random lights, just like, you know, Steve or Robbie or whatever mm-hmm. will do for the opening show. And then it was clearly Resolume programmed for something Overman's way better. Yeah. It was clearly programmed light show. And I was, it made me think like, oh, the guy I saw before was a different guy now. And just like making those connections. Yeah. It's funny, but it's just another fucking dude. Nowadays, lights in particular... <clears throat> Are like you really gotta have a guy who really knows the songs because like yeah you do Steve, because honestly going to concerts I am not even for production before I just started fucking taking psychedelics and shit and going to concerts and really loving the whole uh-huh. performance lights huge thing yeah. if you're not killing it with lasers and lights it's like come on you ruined yeah, the yeah. show you yeah. gotta be on that yeah and, and like again a lighting guy is gonna like he's gonna like study those songs and then he's gonna he's gonna have like the palette in, in his mind of like what he kind of knows he can yeah. do with the lighting rig. And then when he's listening to the song, he's going to get an idea. I could do this and that part. I'm going to do this and that part. And then they go back and they can program it. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, nowadays you can program a show on a computer and then just bring that to the show as long as everything gets set up the way you virtually did it. I think that's what most people are doing. It is. Now. Yeah. It's and then Resolume uh, is what I see from most of these guys that are bringing their laptops. So we're talking lighting. See, I think of Resolume as a video thing. I don't even know if Resolume does lighting. Um, really? Oh, oh wait, am I thinking Resolume is video? And what's the fucking program for lighting that I'm using? Everyone uses a Grand MA console and like whatever. See, it's Steve, I th- you can link you can link Resolume and there's time code and stuff where like the video and the lighting really gets uh Because in. I've used it only, sorry, the only reason I'm linking it in my head is I did a shoot with my friend in Brooklyn and we did 
live visuals, and then he used Resolume just to time everything for the yeah, show some... that I was filming. See, I know more about the audio nitty-gritty, the it lighting. Very, like... Yeah, see, the light, lighting and video, like, I know about, like... I just, like I just know like Resolume is a video thing. Does Resolume? No, you're right. I'm, I'm just not fried. sure. Like we were just. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it does. Like, uh, don't let me steer you off the track. You could be right. Maybe he was doing an old Resolume. I'm probably. That's not. Steve' question. Probably not right. Let me ask Steve. Let's get Steve in here. Let's get the answer. <laughs> Steve, can you control a light show with Resolume? You can trigger the video from the lighting. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Oh, that's what I thought. See, so that's what we were doing. We were just using, like, basic lighting triggers with the video time. Yeah, the lighting stuff I know everyone everyone wants a grand MA. And... All right, so if we didn't hear that, hold on. Steve said, no, you can't control lighting from Resolume, but yes, you can trigger way. it through time. With... No, he said the other way. You can trigger the video stuff from the lighting board. So like the lighting oh, board, sorry. Okay. the lighting board would send time code to uh, to Resolume, and then Resolume would know when it gets this signal. Okay, fire off this thing. Oh, you know, to the video stuff. Oh, that's honestly even kind of cooler. Yeah. Well, here, um, here, here's a case in point, dude. Right? We're talking about this. Yeah. This this would be the remedy for this. Resolume is a program that like you got to spend money on to buy. Yeah. I would buy Resolume. I mean. If, I don't have it because I use other programs, but I'm, I would buy Resolume. Yeah. And if you really want to learn that, I'm going to set it up. Like, <laughs> it's simple as that. And, like, you don't even need a video wall. Like, you just need a flat screen TV. No, I know. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then but I had the, uh, the, what was the other program that you use? That one was something called Archaos Media. Yeah, Archaos Pro. Yeah, and I use that stuff. Uh, but I know Resolume's a shit. Everybody wants Resolume. Yeah, obviously, because it's uh, node-based yeah. and all that. M most of the dudes that are using that, they bring their own laptop, they got all their content, yeah. and then they just plug in and go, that's why I haven't bought it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, when you look at the whole layout, like when you're looking at it as an open forum, if you were going to do a show, it makes so much more fucking sense. Yeah. It's so, it makes so much more sense to look at a show as a 3D model mm -hmm. instead of just like memorizing when I'm going to do what where, yeah. like and having that dialed in. But like just... Did the who what so Cobra Man? What did they have audio wise? <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm saying, was it just like a DJ and then a, a guy singing? Like what was the? Oh oh, what was the band? Yeah, it's a band. Like oh an yeah, they band. had like seven guys on That's stage. Cool. So right. the all the instruments that you hear on the album, it's played live. So live vocals, the so keyboard that'd be a good gig is to have. two. Yeah, yeah yeah. Oh man, that would be yeah. It if you just were be trying like... to like mix audio, that would be the ultimate gig yeah. because it's it's three layers of keyboards all with different sounds. You have a saxophone with pedals. You have a fucking guitar with pedals. You have a drummer. You have yeah. a bass player, and you have a, a rhythm and like a probably that would be a great someone. Gig. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it was it was uh, a like I thought that it was just the two of them oh. and when the fucking sax came and i saw that it was like six people on stage oh man that was the shit yeah i would like to get a show like that where we actually mix but it's just like it's so few and far between you yeah, know they always have their own legit. guy uh i don't know man i feel like nowadays it's like a friend's thing like if you're lucky you're you came up with the person that makes it and yeah. then you just get tagged along you know yeah. uh the closest thing i came to that was this band streetlight manifesto who they're a pretty known ska band Right, they yes, were called Cat. What's that? Yeah, I know. The oh, you know who they are? Of course. So they used to be a band called Catch Twenty Two, and then it became uh, Streetlight Manifesto. But the band that I was in in high school, we were playing with them. Oh, really? I was friendly with the singer. The no singer, fucking way. Yeah, the singer is that band. What was uh, your band called? We were called Groundswell. I knew. I remember <laughs> so, that because the dude Charlie told me that. Yeah. So then we. Uh, <laughs> What do you call it? Uh, like as he got bigger, and I wasn't playing in a band, and I started doing sound. Like it was like. I very easily could have just been on tour with them, mixing them, and that, I mean, that could have been, like, my life, but I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't do that because yeah. it's a lot more money in owning the gear and renting out equipment, but, again, that's the closest I came to, like, my lucky shot to get on with a band that actually is, like, pretty well-known and has a following, and you get to mix a real band, too. It's yeah, not just, yeah. like, a DJ and a, a microphone. Yeah, some tracks. Because, you know? there's, there's, there's a lot of that these days. There's nothing but, like, you saw it. Like shows we were it's on. It's weird. Here's a turn. Here's I was expecting I would... so much more. 
and I get so much more, but I just know. these days, it's not it's it's few and far between. The colleges are booking. Uh, but I mean, more <laughs> you probably did more audio work on that Rutgers Yule Logs thing that you do on most oh, of yeah. these. Most of these, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you had to do a choir and a tr- yeah. piano and a couple instruments and whatever, and yeah. like and for a recording, which just makes <clears throat> it even more nerve wracking because they didn't yeah. they didn't want to pay for Switching. like a, a like a real legit like production it was just kind of like we just want some cameras wanted and like, it recorded oh. so it was a little bit like kind of get one shot at this you gotta have it done live yeah so i'm sitting there with the headphones on mm-hmm. and i'm trying to make sure that i have a decent mix yeah of, it was only a couple microphones but if you're talking about choirs and there's actually a piano player that was mic'd up, yeah 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 you can't have the piano too high it's like it'll ruin everything like you get i had one shot at that so yeah that that actually that was real was a job that had legit audio That's so funny work you know yeah but then uh, like i said then we'll go to Johns Hopkins University, where there was like 3,000 people in the room, and it was a decent uh, turnout. And we don't have to get into dollar value, but how many times value was that John Hopkins in money than the Rutgers? Ten. Ten. Times ten. Ten times at least, right? Yeah, times ten the money. Ten, fifteen. But also ten times, probably a hundred times the production, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred times the fucking pain in our ass over three days. Yeah, with the with the nightmare load in. <coughs> yeah, because uh, of the, the truck fun, in the, the rain. Fun rain. And the truck in the rain. Big you know. semi in the rain. Big tight alley. I I gotta tell you. That's fun. I tell people all the time, like getting into production and sound, lights, video, and all this stuff. At the end of the day, you kind of just turn into a glorified furniture mover. Yeah, you do. And you know the fun part. By the time you even get to the fun part, you're kind of over it. Dude, that's why I have Especially that. at Johns Hopkins, because we were getting rained on. It was a long push. It's like the camera is the only thing that keeps me excited. I swear I just got to yeah. keep on the camera. Because it's like when showtime comes, I want to kill someone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? Oh, it's like, I got my camera in my hand. At least I got something to do. Yeah. I, I don't always hate it. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes no, I still get a job that I, I really like. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it helps when it's a band that I actually would enjoy. You know, yeah. Like I said, I, I know that I've uh, I always put on this band called Small Pools, right? That I did at Rutgers. This isn't like somebody that I love and like I'm listening to it all the time. But like I didn't think they sucked. I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. Is it? Uh, you gotta fix something. It's just for promo shit anyway. That was fun. Alright, so... What just happened there? Uh, we just took like a 45 minute break to find some antenna paddles. It's all experience. Next time you throw it, <laughs> next time you throw it. Done if uh, we didn't find those paddles, those antenna paddles. Literally bought two more. So there, we were just looking for... Uh, Alright, that does it. Shore paddles, never ends. right? Shore paddles that are, I don't know, they're a couple hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars, and we couldn't find them. They, of course, we got lucky and found them buried in a case, but B&H Photo in New York City is my favorite spot, as long as it's not Saturday. They'll have them. Dude, how much money does that place lose because they're not open on Saturday? I bet. Do you know about that? No, they're not open on Saturday. Because it's the Sabbath. It's like they're in no the city. Way. Oh, yeah, because I... St- that's crazy because the B and H commercials. Mm-hmm. You ever seen them? No. They show like who's like the founder of B and H. He's like just like you know an old so Jewish, Jewish dude. Yeah, old yeah Jewish so like because they're that's funny. They're very they're very strict about the, the oh, no way. stuff. So Saturday B and H is closed. The ultimate day in production. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like the ultimate day. That and in New York. Yeah. And then the only star that they have is in New York. That everybody in New York. That's so which is funny. like the heart of like. Production. Yeah. And everybody in New York is needs something that's probably sitting at B and H. Every single person every Saturday needs something from B and H and they don't and give a single there. fuck. So that's a good I mean <laughs> good for them, man. That's like powerful. That's man. what I'm saying. You know? Morals over money, baby. But I don't know, man. Like it'd be nicer if they were closed on Monday. You know? <laughs> like Yeah, just fast Sunday, Monday. But so yeah, so as long as you're good, man, B and H got got what you need. That's and fun. and if not, 
hope you got production company owners numbers on your cell phone. I do. Certainly there's a lot of numbers in my phone that if it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm in some kind of a mega pinch, uh, these are like only call in emergency type numbers, <laughs> you know, and I, my number is one of them. I think I've given people my number before Yeah. where like, listen, I've been woken up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I got you, I got you and I'll roll out of bed and take care of someone because if I'm in that position, which is going to happen eventually. Yeah. Who called you? Knock on wood. You know. Uh, I don't know, like I'm friends with Thomas Dane, whoever, you know, I've had, I've had some like, we need this like right now type phone calls and I'm just like, I'll do it. DJ Mixer, things like that. Like we're on this job. This guy won't perform unless we give him an S9 right now. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. How much time do I have? They're like, we, we, he's supposed to go on in like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I'll I'll try and get there as quick as I can. 45 minutes later. And the guy had to wait 15 minutes and. Things like that have definitely happened. That's why I feel like that's another reason why I think like owning a business is like the only way is because when you get into that like life pattern of like you have a warehouse, you have connections, you have people's phone numbers, people have your phone number, Mm -hmm. it like turns into more of like an organic life situation of like people need stuff, they call you, you need stuff, you call them. Where it's not like, oh, I need time off. I requested three weeks in advance to go. It's like. No, I just fucking call Mike in the middle of the night if I need to get hooked up. It's like, I know he's got a warehouse and he's a fucking stand-up dude and he'll hook me up with the DJ thing because, yeah. like, I'm the guy and he's the guy. You start and, like, to deal in favors. Both, you both bit. own shit. But yeah. it's like, would you do that for someone that didn't own a fucking company? Like, even me. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I called you in the middle of the night, you're like, no, I'm with my fucking kids. <laughs> it's like, but well, it's it like, depends like, it depends on the bind you're in. You know well, what I mean? I know what I mean, but if like you didn't know I was on a job, and if it wasn't your job, or if it wasn't anything associated that you knew, it would be like, you know, night with your kids and you're at dinner. It's like, no, but some other people that own fucking companies, I feel like that's a reason to own a company in itself is to have that respect of the phone call picking up value. I've definitely had like I've had moments myself where you're the one and you're in the oh shit moment and you need somebody to help you or, the, or there's no way out of this. Well, yes. So whenever I get that phone call, I know that scenario. Yeah. And I'm like, even if it's some name I've never heard before, and they're like, I got your number from blah, 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 blah. And they said you might be able to help. Honestly, if I can help, I'll help. Honestly, you're fucking 100% right now that I'm backtracking because I called you when I was in New York with Dolphin. And we uh, couldn't figure out the TriCaster. Oh, yeah, yeah, the TriCaster. And, yeah. like, Mike literally just put on his fucking glasses and sh- said, do you have FaceTime? Just yeah. show, me the, show me the system and yeah. show me where you have shit plugged in and let's figure this shit out and I hope you boys are okay. Team Viewer. And, right? like, that was... Team Viewer would have been the next step. It was, like, 30 seconds. What do you got going on? All right, let me see if I can help. But, I don't know, that's just, like, that, that fucking... That, it's just that better life. Yeah, I guess I think it depends on the kind of person you are. Like when I worked as an electrician, I hated. Yeah, so you started. You started all this as a union electrician, and you started. Well, no, I I started all this as a guy in a band trying to figure out a way to hustle better gigs. So then you, you, why did you become a union electrician? Here, I'll tell you how it started. I think the story is how it started. It is maybe interesting. When I when I first was playing in a band. I shouldn't say first. I was playing in a band and I was bitter. We just sucked. Like, our band just wasn't that good. I, like, I realized that now. But at the time, I was like, we're not getting on the good shows because I'm just not doing a good enough job of politicking. Like, it's all politics. And like, why come, how come my band's not opening up for this band? And how come I can't get booked at this club? And like, how come no one's booking us? And I was like, dude, it's all because they're all, I'm not out there kissing the right ass and all this stuff, right? Yeah. So, so my solution at the time was, all right, why don't I just like book the shows myself? Fuck these promoters, mm. right? Like I hated, like reoccurring theme today, we were talking earlier. I hated being at somebody's mercy. And I was, at, I felt like I was at the mercy of the promoters and you'd call them and you'd make this like press packet thing. I can't remember what it was called now, but like you had your, your thing with your band's photo and your demo and your this and your that. And like, we, yeah. like I couldn't get anybody's attention. Yeah. So like, I was like, and what was I looking for? I was I was trying to piggyback off of a bigger band's thing. So I was like, why can't my band be opening up for Saves the Day, whoever it was? Yeah, and, yeah. and at the time, legit bands playing in like VFW halls were like happening. Like those were the fucking good shows to go to, you know, not the clubs. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to be one of these guys. I'm going to start. I was working as an electrician. Mm-hmm. So I had income, you know, 
So you're working, you're still in the band when you're working as an electrician? I'm talking like year one. Like okay. I just started working as an electrician. Okay. So now I get a steady paycheck coming to me. I still have dreams. I still have hopes and dreams yeah, yeah. that my band can make it. Um, and then, uh, and we had a practice PA, which was nothing special, just a couple floor monitors and a little mixer, you know. And uh, my whole idea was that I'm going to just use the money that I'm making as an electrician and book the bands that I want to open for. And I'm just going to make my band be the one that goes right on up before that. <laughs> like, that was literally the way I did it. So I was, I was renting this uh, this place near Star Lane Ballroom called Step-In Ballroom, uh, right? And Step-In Ballroom, I think I booked this band called The Strider. I booked this band called Further Seems Forever, which is Chris Caraba and Dashboard Confessional. Have you ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. At the time, he was a big deal. He's, okay. he's still kind of known, but anyway. Dashboard Confessional, that's yeah, the name yeah. of it. That guy was in this band called Further Seems Forever. Before Dashboard Confessional, and like, anyway, so I booked those bands, and I put my band on right before them, and it's it was working out pretty well, except that I was paying so much money for the guy with the PA, yeah, which at the time I was paying the guy four hundred dollars, and that's nothing now. Like that's like that's like a guy costs more than that, just yeah. a guy. But at the time, I was like, oh my god, it's four hundred dollars, man. At the end of the show, I had like ten bucks left over, and I was like, fuck. Like, I broke even. Every time I did this, I broke even. I didn't make any money. It wasn't about making money, but it was like, I remember having a pile of cash in my hand at the end of the show and then paying the headliner, paying this one, paying that one, paying the sound guy and being like, five bucks. (laughs) So anyway, I had the big idea after doing it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if that. So then I had the big idea. I was like, you know what, dude, my band's practice PA is not that bad. If I just buy a couple more things, somebody told me you got to have subwoofers. If you have subwoofers, you'll have something. I was like, if you just buy a couple more things, I can get rid of the sound guy and I can just do the sound myself. That's literally the beginning of it. That is how it started. I had a picture of me at that show looking ridiculous. But um, I bought a a 16-channel mixer and then I bought two terrible garbage subwoofers. They were called EV4 subs, and it was like, they fired like this way. Yeah. It was really weird. Uh, and I did this show, and it sounded god-awful. <laughs> like, I did not know what the hell I was doing, uh-huh. you know. So circle back to the thing before. It's like, yeah, this is the experience that I try to give people yeah, because yeah. I realized, like, like that was the beginning. And how did it start? Because I'm fucking blowing it. Yeah. Like, it sounded <laughs> terrible. And I was like, damn, it sounded so much better when the other guy was here. So then I'm like, well, what did he have? Like, he was bringing this and that. And I'm like, all right, so is that all I need to do? I need to get some more of this and buy a couple more things. So then every time I got a check as an electrician, buy another microphone, get another subwoofer. These, Thank God for eBay, by the way. These subwoofers suck. I'm putting these on eBay. And eBay at the time didn't take quite as big of a bite. Thank God for eBay. Yeah, but back then it was like, I think you only lost 7%. Like, I remember between PayPal and eBay. Really? Yeah, whenever I do the math. Just that much? What are you losing now? 15%, if not 20. Yeah, it's a big bite now. Damn, e-commerce is legit. Yeah, but back then it was like 7%. It was nothing. So I remember I was like, well, used gear is what it costs used. So if I buy something used and I don't like it and I want to flip it a week later, I should be able to flip it for the same price that I bought it for. Yeah. So I started making all these moves on the gear. Let me try these subwoofers. Let me try that. Let me try this stuff. The experience that I gained from going through so much different gear. I feel like I should be cycling through gear with my cameras and shit. Like I should be fucking upgrading from my the first body that I had my camera camera body. Yeah. Because I feel like I can sell that with like a lens and then get the, the one up body. Yeah. That I, for the next, you know, menu or whatever that I want to learn. But I've heard I know. I feel like I'm kind of blowing it on that, but I don't know. It's all it's all about trying not to try not to lose my, like I lose so much money now. I'm so bad at trading up, like, historically, and, like, anything that I've, like, online video game assets or cars or anything that I've ever tried to trade up, I fucking just lose money. Well, that's that's the beauty part of, like, production gear. Yeah. Because, like, production gear is different, like, and also there's there's ways around eBay. My, My favorite trick... Because again, dude, if I got a board that's like a fifty thousand dollar mixing console on eBay, yeah, I'm not trying to give eBay that seventy percent. Like no. Way. Yeah. So like, 
13. The trick is I put a picture of my business card in the listing. And yeah. the guy... Just put your number in the description. And I, and, and I put the price higher than yeah. what I'm really going to sell it for because I don't want somebody to hit buy it now. Like, if I'm trying to sell something on eBay and say, say $15,000 is the right price for it, uh, if I go list it for $15,000 after all said and done, I'm really going to have like eleven eight ninety four. you know what I mean? It's like, damn. damn. You know, I lost all that. But really? if I list Holy it for... If yeah, I, I list the so. thing for... 18,000 mm-hmm. and I have my business card in there and then some guy knows he wants to pay 15 and I already knew I wanted 15 and I get that random text or something. Hey, I saw your number the, the item on eBay. Yeah. Now we'll talk about the 15K that it should be. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I don't have to give eBay and PayPal all this money. Huh. You, you know. both feel like you're one. Yeah. So, <laughs> but to rewind back to back in the day, back in the day, I didn't care if they used Biden or whatever because like the little 7% wasn't that big a deal. You know, it was almost like I rented the thing, you know, but I got to rent it for a couple of months and then return it and only pay a little bit. So that that's how I cycle through everything. And organized electrician, buy a couple more microphones, another drum kit. Just sold this on eBay. Now I can get that. I work another couple months and they got a little bit more money and I just sold this console on eBay. Now I'm going to try that console. Yeah. And then slowly but surely it just, you know, Turned into that warehouse out there, like and, <laughs> you know, there was no, there was no like magic moment. It was just like, this shit just literally piled up. Yeah, that's like the fucking thing is that there's not a magic moment. Is that what's crazy about all the gear that I've acquired just over the last year mm-hmm. is that like I started with one camera body. Yeah. How the fuck? Well, I just wanted to do That's how. But <laughs> <laughs> but also like it's like I know how to use it all like and I, and I've used all of it to make money and I've. Like, you know, I'm slowly chipping away at that and, like, it's working. Yeah. But it is weird that I have all this shit and I know how to use it. And it's like, I only bought it because I knew how to use it. There there might have been one moment. I do do have a moment where it was, like, the first time I spent a significant amount of money in one shot. And I remember the number was $40,000. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And I remember at the time, like, I couldn't get a loan. Like, dude, no banks want to give you a loan unless you have a house. To yeah. give them if you don't pay, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I know, like, I know, you need collect. Yeah. So I, I remember at the time, like the way I, the way I had the money is I had, say, I had twenty thousand, and then I needed the other twenty, and it was like, I just started signing up for any credit card like offer, and I got a terrible Capital One card. Yeah. And it was like, okay, there's another five grand right there. Yeah. Uh, I had a a Jeep Cherokee that I had paid off in full, and I was able to like re finance it or whatever and take another loan on my jeep like oh, i just figured no out shit. yeah i just figured out a way to how get else there. did you get money besides you remember anything else that you back then my girlfriend who was now my wife definitely would lend me like a thousand dollars here and there yeah you know don't uh, be afraid to ask for help yeah uh i think my parents let me take like put five grand on their credit card and i paid it off yeah you know little bit of big borrowing and stealing, you know. Well, like, again, it was like... How much were you in debt at the peak of the that time when you started your business? Like, peak fucking investment for return was low, but you knew it was going to go. Man, I don't, I don't have an answer to that. Like, the $40,000 one that I'm talking about right now is the only one that I really remember. Here, all right, here, let me... I think that's the way I'll answer that. Yeah, yeah. The $40,000 thing... When I made a big jump, mm-hmm. was definitely a was that thing. on credit or did you pay that? I just I like it was like you had that money. Yeah, like so. So what it was is like line array speakers were becoming a thing. You know what line array is? It's a bunch of boxes. Yeah. And before that, you only needed a few boxes. Now you need like twelve and aside, the and, and there's shit. so much money. Like yeah, it was yeah. like. Audio was changing right at that moment. Line arrays were the thing. And if you didn't have it, you were about to fall off. Mm-hmm. So me and this other guy who I was partnered, like kind of partners with, but not really. Um, we both were just like talking. It was like, it turned into like, a, I'll do it if you do it kind of thing. Yeah. And for me to do it, I needed 40 grand, mm-hmm. which to me was like, holy shit. Like, dude, when I was working as an electrician, I made 45,000 a year. You know, I was an apprentice. I wasn't making top and dollar. And half of that's fucking cost of living. The other half's bullshit. Yeah. And fucking what do you got to say? And I'm like, I'm going to have to 
work for the rest of my life. It felt like at the time I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life to pay this off. And like, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is fucking so stupid. Yeah. Like I'm crazy. I can't believe this. Uh-huh. And I was just like, whatever, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm doing it. Uh-huh. Like I had a deal ready to go. Somebody like had some of the boxes. He was willing to sell them to me for a good price. Like I had the deal in place and it was like, I came up with the money and I did it. And it was one of those things like you're almost like in a brain fog, like in the process of doing it, like for the, the moment, like where you're like, the money's gone. Yeah, they, yeah, I just yeah. gave them the money. And I was just in this, like, what have I done? Like, <laughs> how, how am I going to pay this off? Right. And all I know is somehow I paid that off very quickly. I remember I got the boxes. I started hustling any job I could get with them. I said, I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And just all of a sudden, it was like, I'm out of debt. Like, I paid it all back. Everyone got their money back. How far were you? You were 40 in debt? I was 40 in debt, and I'm pretty sure I had that How locked down in a take year. You in a year? I think it was maybe even less than a year. All right. I'm not in a bad spot then. Yeah. So, but, the, but, but what that taught me was, like, now I wasn't afraid to spend 40 grand anymore. Yeah. Do you know See, what I mean? You know, and it's like every time I drop a thousand and two thousand seems like within my price range. Yeah. Like I've dropped like that new setup or whatever. Now I'm looking at like the next up and it's like, you know, that seems like it's the next yeah. thing, which when I first started was fucked. And, and also back to that whole thing about like buying and selling it and stuff. I got a good enough deal on the $40,000 gear yeah. that like also in the back of my mind, I'm like, if worse comes to worse and this fails, I can maybe, maybe I can maybe sell it for thirty two thousand, maybe even thirty five. Hell, maybe even forty, and get my money right back. Because yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. that would happen. I know that's. And it. I'm like, I should be all right, but I was all right. I didn't have to sell it. I I, I had to buy more of it. I mean, after the forty k, not long after that, I had to buy another box, another box, another box, another box. Yeah. You know, so like the whole this thing still was happening too at the same time. Yeah. You know, and then like I said, like after that, I can't even remember. I mean, I spent way more money than that, you know, uh, 70 is the, the, the next time that I spent something big. I remember it was 70,000. It was when I sold that system mm-hmm. to get a bigger step up. What was the job that put you to the level where you could start buying Digico and you could start buying like the fucked up subwoofers and like really the big shit? <clears throat> what was like, what you get, what did you get that was like, all right, I'm, I'm in. I'm done. Like it's wow. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. When you're when you're in it, mm-hmm. you know how they say, uh, oh, what do they say, dude? Like, oh, I can't think of the term. I want to say it's like a, like when opportunity knocks, kind of thing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like luck. Mm-hmm. Luck. Luck yeah, is yeah, a big yeah, deal, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing about luck. Like, like there's luck at play, but you also gotta like make yourself available for luck yeah. to happen to you, right? Yeah. The moment that just came to mind with that was Starland Ballroom got flooded during okay. Hurricane Sandy. And so you did that install? And I got the install. Okay. But th- the thing was, like you said, like all right, like when I made a purchase or whatever, then I was like, all right, I'm here. Yeah. Right? Uh, at that point, I was cobbling together some of my gear. Mm-hmm. And I had what was called the JBL Vertec line array at the time. And that was the thing to have. It was a big deal. It was like, if you have this, you're kind of there. But like... There's this thing of like, oh, you get to this level and it feels like the next rung of the ladder is so much further away, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, even right now, I'm in a moment of that where it's like, man, the next, <laughs> the next rung feels so yeah, far. You're just talking about mountain and all that yeah, shit. Just talking about like barcoding my gear. That's yeah, like a yeah, rung. Yeah. That's like a big rung for me to do and like to try to run the warehouse like a big company. Yeah. I oh, forget about it. Let's go back to this thing. Yeah. The, if, if, you, uh, if you didn't have a rig that matched Meaning like, oh, I got some JBL Vertec, but I have some like uh, homemade subwoofers that mm-hmm. I'm using. The subs sound good. It's like a certain level of job will be like, you don't have matching subs. Like you don't have the whole thing, you know. And then you got to like, oh, please give me the gig. Please give me the gig. Please tell me he doesn't care that much about the subs. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to so, fucking like, stretch a little bit. Yeah. And f- at that point, for me to sell all of my subs and buy the matching Vertec subs was like, I can't do it. Like it's just too much. Like, yeah. So, fast forward, Starlane gets flooded. Yeah. Starlane has Vertex subs. Okay. They got eight of them, which was at the time the exact number that I needed. Yeah. Right? And um, <clears throat> I couldn't afford them. Mm-hmm. When, when Starlane got flooded, they put all their subs up on the stage. They tried to get their stuff out. Nobody knew Hurricane Sandy was going to flood like it did. Like, Starlane was yeah, in one yeah. of the worst hit areas, man. Like, believe it or not, Sarahville, New Jersey. Irene, the first, the year before. Yeah, Irene. That was the hoax. 
Yeah. And then fucking Sandy, no one believed it. Yeah, dude. And and Starland got flooded in Sarville, New Jersey. And if you look on like fucked. any of those maps, Sarville was one of like the worst hit because the Raritan River comes yeah. right through and yep. the river came right up. So anyway, Starland got flooded. Uh, a year later, I got lucky. Like this was a big moment for me when I won the install to sell them a new rig. Mm. Oh, this is where the luck is. At the end of the install, they offered me to buy everything in the club for nothing. Like I'm yeah. talking like a deal. They were like, look, dude, we just want to get it the hell out of here. What will you give us for it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And they're like, can you do X amount of dollars? It might've been like two grand or yeah. something. So it was so ridiculous, yeah, right? Like low. Where it was like, I just paid for all of this. You're just like, fuck. Less, of course I can. <laughs> yeah, less than what like one of those subs cost yeah, to buy yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And now you're in. How damaged was the shit? Yeah. The subs? Half of the sub had the flood line in it. The other half was good. So half of the subs worked. Yeah, like so I had. So you had eight subs. But so I had to replace four subs. Yeah, I only had to replace <laughs> the bottom speaker in the boxes, but the boxes were fine. The hardware was fine. It all survived. It was definitely wet, but it was safe. It was usable. I went and got the spoke the speakers recombed for a few hundred dollars, and it was like I got a Vertec rig now. It's complete. And I remember that move turned into a lot more work. It was like, okay, dude, like I'm, like you said, when was like, all right, I'm fucking in it now. Yeah. Now you have like the, now set the next to move show is, off. Now the next move is desks. Yeah. So like that was look that was the position I was in where I was like, now let's start talking about consoles. Okay. You know, uh, and at the time, digital consoles weren't really in. It was Avid consoles, and I I I somehow around that time got Avid consoles. At that time, did you have kids? And did no. you have <laughs> wife? You have wife or uh, no? Uh, I was with my wife, but I wasn't married. I got married in... No, I was married. Yeah. Okay. I got married in 2009, and that was 2012. So I was married. Okay. Uh, no kids yet. Kids came two years later. That's crazy. Your kids are born in 2014? 2014, yeah. What? My daughter's almost nine. I know. Dude, it's going quick. Um, yeah, just... <clears throat> I think it's a big thing to, like, not be afraid of money. I think know? so. And that's exactly where I'm going to circle back to uh, we'll make this the tail end of it. And uh, so I, when I met Mike at his ramp and I blew my fucking shoulder out, the reason I had this surgery, the whole fucking shebang. Mm -hmm. So we're in the hospital. Mike just goddamn G unit. He drives me to the hospital. One of my friends drives my car to the hospital. And then Mike stayed with me for like eight hours in the hospital while wow, my shit got reset and I got a bunch of x-rays and a bunch of BS and everything and my fucking parent, you know, my dad didn't even know what was going on. Whatever, but, you know, Mike's chilling with me. And then drives my car like 40 minutes home and then takes an Uber back to his house, which is like 40 minutes away. Okay, so, but we're in the hospital and I was working, starting my video business at the time and he's like, okay, he's got his thing. He's like, you want to work for me? One of the conversations that we stumbled upon before that to get to that was that money was fucking fake. And that money ain't <clears throat> real. It was a concept that I had been thinking about, and it's kind of something that in my rage and anger of the whole situation, I kind of dropped. It was just like, I fucking just don't believe that this shit is even real. And like, you know, that like some of these clients I work for so bullshit and get paid, and some I've worked so hard for like so little and all this shit. And then you've solidified my thought in saying that money is not real so yeah can you s go into that story you told me a story when we were in the hospital of when you realized you had your daughter and you had your health insurance was running out and through the union and you just decided to make a fucking change and after you made that change you decided like it was just the solidified money's not real and really just instead of this whole anxiety value save and invest type thing it became a tool you fucking drop it and you use it and you ask for it once you know how to get it and so how did money become unreal to you oh, man i remember the whole dude it's literally just numbers in a computer you know i mean it's easy to think like when i say money's not real it's like yeah paper cash yeah. like in your hand but that ends up in a bank like i never have cash on me yeah. ever you know what i mean mm -hmm. Unless somebody pays me in cash, and then I'm like, I'm gonna do with this. Like, what'd you do the the when you like you take money out of an ATM health insurance thing when you're done with your daughter when you you know what, that, well that I gotta be honest gig. like that's that's a, a again this is a lucky thing my wife has health insurance so mm -hmm. 
There was three years where we didn't have any insurance, and that was before kids. Yeah. Uh, and that was a big, uh, definitely that was a big thing at the time. It was 2007. Like mm-hmm. I said, I got married in 09. Okay. 2007 was when I last worked out at a union. It was like I was on a job. The job got finished. I got laid off. Mm-hmm. And I just never went back down to the union hall and signed up for another job. And what happened was I was like, well, my, my health insurance ran out in like three months. It was like three months and then it was over and then I didn't have it. And I was just like, well, fuck it. Like it started to feel like having insurance and like thinking you're going to die if you don't have insurance is a way to keep you working, yeah. you know? And I was just like, well, I'm just going to have to be careful. Yeah. You know, good thing I wasn't skating then, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I was just like, oh, I mean, I guess I can't get hurt, you know? And anytime I had to go to the doctor, dude, this is nothing. I would go to the doctor and I would tell them, like, I, I was uninsured and I was having to pay cash. And they were like, tell, tell me how much it would be. I was like, that's, like, not that bad. Like, I can afford that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get an insurance bill and it's like, you went to a dentist and you got a filling and it's an $8,000 insurance bill. You're like, holy shit. Yeah, but, but they, they, they just upcharge because of that, huh? But, but then you, I don't I don't know how it works. Yeah, but it I don't seems, know if they really get what's seems. on that, that thing. All I know is I went there and they're like, oh, yeah, just like, it'll be like 150 bucks or something. I'm like, okay. For a few. You know, <laughs> what I earned. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So money, money ain't even real, right? A, a couple times, like, so I I start getting to a point where I'm getting busy. I'm getting busy. Some phone calls come my way. People want price quotes now, now, now. We need a number today. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people just need a fucking number. Yeah. And it's like they're they're trying to get a job or whatever. Like you're you're like say I got I'm getting subbed by somebody, and they just were like. I like, look, man, I need a number. I'm like, I'm, I'm on a job for the next two days. I can't, I can't do this till like Monday. They're like, look, you just spitball it, throw a number at us. Like, yeah. we just need to know. Like, I got to tell them something. Mm. <sighs> tell them $15,000. Right? Mm-hmm. All right, done. That's all I need to know. And then like the next week comes, I get the phone call. They're like, hey, man, we got the job. We're good. It's 15 to go. I'm like, oh, all right. And then I'll go into my system now and put the number in. And I'm like, dude, it's only like. Seventy two hundred dollars. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I'm like, it's like what happened? Yeah. I'm like, he said fifteen. It's a go. So then I, I'll, I start c- coming up with, I, I start billing for everything. Like normally, I'm talking like fifteen. This happened the other day when someone asked, you got that quote for a hundred thousand dollars, and they asked you if you could do it for seventy. Yeah, you put it through. We ran the numbers, and it came up. The quote came up for fifty five thousand. Yeah, and it was like, well, how do we morally get to seventy thousand dollars? Or yeah. we could just fucking charge them and say fuck it. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think I actually did get the full fifteen from the guys. Like, hey, listen, dude, like yeah. I spitballed you a pretty big, ridiculous number. I'm like, yeah. so how about this? Like, I'll get my number to like twelve or something, and you make another three. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm happy because if he if he waited for my quote, it would have been seventy five. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, but that's that's literally what I mean by like it's not even real. Like somebody just said like it's just a matter of waiting. Yeah, I'm willing to spend fifteen thousand dollars on this. That's fine. That's a great. That's fine. Just give me you know. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. So then it's like you start getting quote. Then again, as you start making your way in the business, you start to see other people's numbers. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's like, "Can you beat this?" And then you see, it and you're just like, "What?" Like, you see the way other people bill, and it's like, you realize there is no rhyme or reason to how you can bill someone or what kind of number, what is something worth to you. Yeah. I used to never bill for my cabling. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bill for a cable. Like, I'm not going to like, actually add up every single cable. Bigger companies kind of do that, yeah. you know? they. And, but this is what I mean. It's like, you just start to realize, like, people do just asking for a number and there's nothing to even measure it by no there's nothing you know and it's like when you're the expert you're the expert that's it that's the bottom fucking yeah. line and when someone needs a service and you're the expert and they don't know what to do and they're willing to pay that is literally the fucking bottom line which is weird like <clears throat> even on like lower level stuff when like in my stuff you know my rent's not that much money and like whatever compared to the bills that you pay mm-hmm. but it's like so a couple hundred bucks could like make my you know weekend a little bit better or like yeah. whatever stuff like that and where i realize just fucking ask and your life gets better yeah and you just fucking ask for the extra couple hundred bucks and up and just like that like either they say no and you're right where you're at or just like that your weekend gets so much fucking better and it's like, wow, I have a hundred bucks to throw in the, in the, uh, the E-Trade account. And then I have a hundred bucks to blow on a dinner. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Like, great. Yeah. You know, for literally just asking a question. Yeah. Dude, <clears throat> I used to, I used to, I had a hot moment where I would get like this panic attack about sitting in traffic. Right. I know. 
But this is what I mean. Like, and I had these jobs in the Hamptons, like this thing with Bon Jovi that I was saying before, right? And I remember I had two jobs at the same time. It was just pure luck. I had two jobs in the Hamptons, right? And uh, I remember it was like, week was coming up and I was just like, I don't want to sit in the Belt Parkway traffic. Like, I really, really, really don't want to sit in the fucking traffic. Yeah. Because like, it's really a three hour ride or three and a half hour ride with no traffic and it becomes six and a half hour ride with the ridiculous traffic. Mm. So I just was like, how much am I getting for this? I'll throw numbers. I don't care. It's like, I think it was a $17,000 weekend. It was like, all right. And then after I pay all the guys and everyone else, like there's probably, I'm still making over like 10 K. It was probably like 12 K after paying people and everything else. Yeah. And I just thought, I literally just go, if the client said to me, will you do this for $11,000? Mm. Would I have said, yeah, just took the thousand bucks off. I did. I, yeah, absolutely. I would have. Yeah. I'm not going to say no to the 11 because of a thousand dollars. Yeah. So then I started again, like thinking about like, well, what if I'll I went take the thousand dollars and I'm going to see if I can get a fucking guy with a private plane to fly me out there, like a little plane, because that's how bad I don't want to drive. And again, it's like, why? Because like, I just rationalize it with like the thousand dollars ain't shit. Like yeah. I'm already making pretty good money on this and I don't care to piss away yeah. the grand, you know, uh-huh. same way I ended up with a verb man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some some jobs are, are a, a better payday than others. I mean, I did a, I did one last year where the guy called me week of to do a job at the Wells Fargo arena. Mm-hmm. This stuff go. happens, man. Like this is the thing too. You think in the world of money, there's organization. It's just as fucked up as everywhere no, else. No, they just call your ass. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they think Wells Fargo, Prudential. Like you've done Prudential, right? Yeah. I've you've done, done City Field. I've done, have a... Not quite. No, I've worked at City done, Field, but not on City Field. Yeah, yeah, but you've done. Oh, okay. But you, what do you do? See, you've done so many I did a big private, venues around yeah. here, and it's like, what? All those just come by phone call. At City Field, I did a random job. Where Email Keith, someone knows your name. Phone call. Yeah, Keith, got your number. Keith Hernandez and Jacob Degrom. Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Yeah, 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 like yeah, legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there, and Jacob <laughs> Degrom was there, and they were they were signing things for like the Boy Scouts or something. And I just had this little PA thing there so we could talk. And yeah. I was just sitting off to the side watching. And I was like, damn, I have some Mets fans in my family. Yeah, right. Well, Keith. Check, check out where I'm at, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, the um, the Wells Fargo thing came like a week of. And it was literally like, uh, I-, I want this much money. Like, this is how much I want to put up with what it's going to take for me to do this on four days notice. And they said, yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay. All you right. know. And... there's nobody to tell you you can't do that whoa whoa, whoa, you're overcharging for this and then it's like there's no there's no even like am i even overcharging no there's no one to fucking tell you you can't do it so just name your price grow a pair of balls quit your job start your own shit charge a price move on with your fucking life yeah i mean you you got to be good at what you do. I mean, there are certain... There you are don't certain... even have to be. That's the retarded part. Is that, like, I know so many people that, like, are doing what I'm doing. Not that I'm anything special. Mm-hmm. And doing, you know, other trades. And they're not special, you know. I know welders that do 6G pipe welds and yeah. stuff. But I know guys that can't do that. And yeah. make money. Make money, for sure. And, like... The gig economy. Is Man, the thing. I think they call it like the gig economy. It's weird. Dude, if we had universal health care, I don't think anybody would work for anybody else. Like, if because like, think about it. What's the biggest fear? Your biggest fear in life is like, oh, man, I got to have insurance, dude. Like, especially if you want to have a family. Yeah. If you don't have insurance, it feels like everybody in your house is going to die from a toothache. You know what I mean? you got to have insurance. you got to have it. you got to have it. got to have it. Yeah. It's like, man, if you just took that out of the equation. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're free to kind of do whatever the hell you want. Like, and right. come and go as you please. And, you know, that's uh, that's the thing, man. It's like, I, I didn't hate being an electrician. I just hated the, the feeling of, like, you have to go in every day, every morning at this time till that time. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, we would be doing a job where it was, like, say we got done with what we were doing at 2 o'clock and day's over at 3.30. Can I just leave? Like, the day's over. I'm done. I'm not. There's no point in me starting another thing now. Yeah. Or even pretending. And you'd have to pretend you were doing something. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was the shit that I couldn't stand. Like, mm-hmm. like, 
at the very least, I mean, this is my more for like a, why, why production might be appealing. Like when the job's over, it's over and we go home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no times. I mean, there is. Like, got to be here to start and set up at this time. But like on the loadout, when it's done, it's done. You're done and you're on, you're over. Yeah. Also, this job is one day. And if this job sucks and I hate it and the, the crew that ended up being there is nightmarish and you don't want to put up with them. Yeah. I you not see any of these people ever again tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Never have to so, hire again. Freedom. I don't know, man. It's worth the whole fucking lot. I, I think so. It's it's like it's worth your head. It's worth like the mental fucking worth. Honestly, if it's yeah. not worth the dollar value, it's worth the mental value of just knowing you're doing your own shit. Yeah. And just like not fucking answering some jackass manager text or some bullshit little fucking group chat with some drama and like all that. You know, whatever. It's yeah, like, working. Also, that the people that own the company can really make the lion's share of the money. Yeah. You know. That's something I wish I could I mean, figure we out. We all know through. that, but like even through freelancing, I've found a different world. You know, so, and like even working for people, working yeah. for people, you can still work for people, but work for yourself. Exactly. Like you, you know, you don't work for me. I'm technically one of your clients. That's also. Do you know true. what I mean? That's true. And like, let's put it this way: if you're if you're unhappy with something, or if I did something fucked up, you can tell me fuck off, and then uh, just that's the end of that. You know no, what I mean? I like working for you. <laughs> But then here's the thing, and I want you to want to like working for me. Yeah. So it's different than like I got you by the balls because fucking we pay this and he has health insurance and a 401k and yeah. you have to fucking do what I say or you get fired and you're going to fucking lose everything in your life because you'll never get it. You know and that's I mean? the whole point of this fucking conversation is that working for a person like this is you work yourself, even as a young person, it's a little bit scary. You work yourself and it was scary for you when you're young. But you people that do it fucking pay it forward to the people that are doing it still. Yeah. And it just happens. It fucking works out. You put your balls forward, you put your work forward, and it just works. And, like, people like Mike will hire you and want you to stay rather than holding you by some anxiety measure. Yeah, exactly. And they want you to work because hard work actually is a hot commodity these days. I can't tell you how many times I've been recognized just for fucking staying an extra hour, wrapping an extra cable, fucking doing an extra little yeah, you BS, go, you go the extra following line. someone to the car with their shit just to make sure it gets in right, and leaving when everybody else leaves with the handshake and not just splitting when I want to split. And, you know, shit like that, literally, you pave your own way. Just doing that, being yeah. early, leaving late. And fucking yeah, there's a big there's a big difference to naked and locked. There's a big difference between like I just gotta show up on time, keep my head down, keep my mouth shut, get through the day, or like I actually have to be worth something. But like it's but weird. I actually want to get paid what I'm worth too. And again, what what are you worth? I, everyone's gotta figure that out when you're when you're freelancing on your own, you know. If, if yeah. you were working at the post office, they know exactly what you're fucking worth, yeah. whether you agree with it or not. You can't say shit about it. Yeah. You know? And it fucking, I feel like a lot of people are told what they're worth instead of determining their own value, and that yeah. kind of sucks. And yeah, like, exactly. I mean, there's not a lot of people that let you fuck around with their equipment, but also it's like, there's not a lot of people that they're determining their own value. Yeah. I didn't like the boogeyman aspect of, like, the ownership and the management when I was an electrician. Um, like, man... This is the this is the kind of stuff that I, I just couldn't stand. Like we would be working in a building, Lehman Brothers or something, right? Mm. And like there would be a widespread information drop on everyone. Guys, the executives are gonna be here today. The higher ups are coming in today. The owner's gonna be the owner of our company's gonna be here and the owner's Lehman Brothers. Everybody's gonna look you guys all gotta look like you got yeah. you know. And it was like we all had to be afraid. Yeah. So yeah, like we're yeah, sitting yeah. we're sitting in our little hole wire and stuff and we had to be all like Yeah. Oh my tool belt is on tight. Yeah. I pushed it down perfect. Yeah, like yeah. working hard here. Exactly. <laughs> working hard. Everyone's working. You're getting your money's worth. Yeah. Right? And we're like, all like fucking singing like songs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And like Fucking uh, hi ho, hi ho! Just like <laughs> I swear to God, that's what they want. It is. It's, it's like they like literally it. want to come in and not to bring this to some weird racy place, yeah. but they want to come in and see you singing like some yeah. songs, and some I, songs and shit, like some work at like oh we, railroad songs. Like, gee, it's uh, fucking weird, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You know, again, maybe this is something wrong with me, but like something as simple as this is, I couldn't stand. We all had yellow hard hats. Yeah. They had, they had white ones. Oh, 
And so, See, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, and there was a couple management one day, yeah. like, <laughs> and there was even a couple of blue hard hats. Oh, and it was like, like really, really had huge they were. they were like the mystery men. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I don't know, man. It's one of them things where like, <laughs> why is this guy better than me? Like, why, why do these guys make so much money? And like this building, fucking high rise that's being built here, we built are it. the ones building this. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we just made this much, and the, and they got rich. Like yeah. they get rich at the end of it somehow. And they rich, shit. So rich. Um, that's again. <laughs> I don't. I I don't mind working for a living. Yeah. But like, I want to reap the reward. Yeah. I want to reap my own rewards. You know what I mean? Or at least Fuck. be in control of my own destiny. Absolutely. Maybe I'll never be rich like Lehman Brothers, even though they went bankrupt. <laughs> But maybe I'll never be rich like those dudes. That's the fallacy like, of it all. Is this motherfucker yeah, bankrupt? But but I'm certainly happy about this because I paved my own way. Yeah. You know, I didn't like. That's the whole thing. I didn't try to like. You're not a poser, Mike. My way You're not to, a fucking poser, yeah, dude. That's for sure. Love but, yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't backstab my way up the ladder and kiss the right ass because that stuff definitely did happen in the union. There's politics, business agents, family. They're all supervisors and shit and. It's like, dude, if I'm going to work hard, I want to be the one who reaps the reward. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, man. And even if the reward is not the same reward to you, it's my reward, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fuck yeah, buddy. Yeah. All right, we'll end it. Cool. Thanks. That was a good way to end the poser. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, no worries. That's it's like funny. therapy, man. Talking about this shit that's all in my head still in like the corners. <laughs> the $40,000. But doesn't it? I haven't thought about that in a while.